are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. Go, go, go. We are your news now. Right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio. You are here for a reason. Yes, you indeed are here for a reason, and so is Jesse Zaboder. Good morning to you, Jesse. Good morning, good morning. This should almost be good afternoon or good evening to me because literally I have been so excited about doing (laughs) the book of Acts. Um, I just really feel the Holy Spirit has guided us here. And as you know from our conversations, Jesse, the Lord has been speaking to me about this book for uh, over a year now. Yeah. And I just think the, uh, the Lord's timing is perfect in doing this, uh, starting this new year and following up on the revelation study. It's important to note that in revelation, we learned about the things that have been, we learned about the things that are, and we learned God's plan for the things that shall be. But the question is in this, you know, time of information warfare in this time of, you know, so much information and disinformation that's going around. How do we walk through it? What is God telling us? And I'm going to be so bold as to say, Jesse, that I believe the book of Acts obviously is, is instruction for the church. Uh, but I'm, really taking it personal, and I think it is an instruction to the Right On Radio community in particular as well. Yeah, it's one of the most, I'll say, you know, all of the Word of God is powerful, but for me personally, it's definitely a book that packs a lot of power with it as you start to live out and do the things that are written within it. And following up on some of the, you know, the intel stuff that we've been bringing out, Jesse, well, you in particular, I've been kind of going along for the ride, <laughs> but, uh, well, not, that's not necessarily true. I've, I've been studying a lot as well, but break, with all the stuff that we've been bringing out about the gold, about the alchemy and things like that, you're going to be surprised how much more illumination there is on those subjects following the book of Acts. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Uh, we're starting to get into the depth of things here, so I'm excited yeah. for it. So am I. So, Heavenly Father, we just we come before you, Father God, and we ask in Yahweh's name that the Holy Spirit be present with us. And Lord, we know that the Holy Spirit is present with us because we've accepted your Son's salvation. We've accepted the salvation of the one who has died and risen that we're going to discuss today. And the Holy Spirit reveals the things of Christ to us. But Lord, we pray for a magnification. Lord, we pray for an expanding of our circles. We pray for your manifest glory to shine through us. 
even us sin vessels that do love you, God. We are the ones who love our God, and we put you first above all things because there's none that compares to you. So we ask for your wisdom as we go through this. We ask for your revelation. We ask for your instruction. We give the Holy Spirit permission to do the will of the Father in our lives and to show the things that we need to be shown. Father, we want to see your glory more than anything. And Lord, we want to shine your glory to the world. It's only by your manifest presence that that can happen. So Father, we pray that the words we speak today are honoring of you. If anything is uttered from our mouths that is not honoring, we pray your correction right away. And Father God, we thank you for those you've brought to surround us. Uh, we thank you for the prayer warriors who uh, pray for this program, uh, pray for the body of this community that uh, you've given us. Father God, we pray that you expand our tents and and just like in the book of Acts, that the church really does expand to the depths of the earth. And I say depths intentionally, Father God. Yes, Father, we pray we bring them out. We pray that all should come into your salvation. So we give you the glory, we give you the honor, and all of the praise this morning. And we thank you for your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Whoa. All right. <laughs> So, uh, Jesse, why don't, uh, and by the way, uh, we, I'm going to make an announcement right now and then you got to stay tuned to the end because we had talked about a time sensitive announcement that Jesse is going to make, uh, near the end of this program and you don't want to miss it and you'll want to share this show right away with everyone, you know, uh, that's going to be interested in what Jesse announces because it's a very, very timely uh, thing that she's going to announce. But the uh, the uh, the one announcement before we get into the reading, Jesse, is uh, and to the audience, you know, our relationship with God is the most important thing that we can have on Earth, uh, or, or you know, even off of Earth when we get there. The, our relationship with God is commandment number one. But what is the second most important thing that we need to steward in our lives? Well, it says love one another. It's relationships. Yeah. And relationships are so important and that's why I think what we've got here is really something special. Like that. I've seen the relationships form in our telegram channels and in, in my Liberty stand community uh, relationships are imperative, but relationships are not easy because we live in a fallen world. And uh, let's face it. Uh, we are imperfect human beings and relationships can be hard to manage. And on Tuesday's show, we are going to have a guest. His name is Jim. He is a very good friend of mine, him and his wife. Uh, he has been 
a relationship coach for over 30 years. He's been a youth pastor for, uh, you know, a decade and a half. He's run his own business. He's a very accomplished man, uh, written multiple books, very celebrated man, very well-spoken, genuine, loving. And he is going to come on. And this is what's really, really cool, Jesse. And he's been married for like four decades. It's a crazy amount of time he's been married. Uh, and a really good marriage at that, of course. But what he is going to do is he's going to show you how to manage all your relationships using F words. <laughs> that, that came out kind of wrong, Jeff. But <laughs> it did not come out wrong. It was very much intentional. And he will even boast how he uses the F word in his marriage. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to hearing this. I mean, this now has me very intrigued. <laughs> and yes, it is. And yes, it is clean. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it will be That's a family show. <laughs> All so. right. So good morning to you, everyone. Thank you for joining. Uh, thank you for being here. And uh, uh, thank you for taking this journey with us. It's going to be really magnificent. And as we go through this book of Acts, I'm going to share some of the visions that uh, that I've gotten over the last year pertaining to this book. And uh, that's all they are, is just that they're just visions. Uh, they're not gospel. They're not, uh, but I think they'll very much encourage you as they have encouraged me as well. So Jesse, why don't I start out and I'll read... Uh, pretty much to halfway and then I'll let you carry on with the rest of it. Does that sound good? All right. Sounds good. I, 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 yeah. So uh, I'll read and then we'll, we'll do a summary of the book of acts before we uh, break it down a little bit. So, and I'm reading from the NASB. The first account I composed Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach, until the day he was taken up to heaven, and after he had given orders by the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. To these he also presented himself alive after his suffering by so many convincing proofs appearing to them over a period of forty days and speaking of things regarding the kingdom of God. Gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but wait for what the Father had promised, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they began asking him, saying, Lord, is it at that time you are restoring the kingdom to Israel? But he said to them, It is not for you to know the periods of time or the appointed times which the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all in Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest parts of the earth. And after he had said these things, he was lifted up 
while they were watching, and a cloud took him up out of their sight. And as they were gazing intently into the sky, while he was going, then behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them. And they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into the heaven will come in the same way as you have watched him go into heaven. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying to present, or those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simeon, the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and he said, Brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as a guide to those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field and there fell headlong. His body burst open and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in the language of Akeldema, that is, the field of blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may the place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two men you have chosen to take over the apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell on Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. So much depth in just this first chapter. It, it seems very simple on its face, but it's really setting up the entire book of Acts here. And I'll tell you what I think are some pivotal verses as we get into them. So uh, let's just talk about the book of Acts uh, in general. So this is the beginning of the church. And the book of Acts is written by Luke. Uh, Luke, one of the gospel writers, of course, was a physician. He very detailed uh, in his writings uh, everything is very purposeful as, as they are in all the gospels, of course, and all the books. Uh, but Luke writes this, uh, in the first 
half of the book essentially uh, in the third person with himself not really present in the stories. And I think when we get to chapter 16, that will become obvious why. Uh, it's also, you know, for most part, uh, people agree that this is written over a 30-year period. So probably from about 33 AD to 63 AD. So this is over a 30-year period. And I know that some of you will take notes from this. And if you are one of those note takers, I would just encourage you to keep track of one thing because when we get towards the end of the study, I think it will be very relevant. And that is count the number of miracles in the book of Acts. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a very specific number that uh, I believe our note takers will figure out and then things will be well, I, I'll, I'll just let out a little hint. It will really put things in perspective to tell you that the book of Acts is now. Hmm. That is my belief. All right. So do you have anything to add to the introduction, Jesse? I do not. That was a great, fantastic introduction, Jeff. All right. Well, thank you. And, uh, oh boy, we got quite a few people here. We I, do. I expect you will not be disappointed by this, uh, this study as we go forward. And I'm really believing miracles are going to happen in every one of your lives who are doing this with us. I really, really believe it. In fact, you're going to become the miracle. Yep. Whew. I'm getting <laughs> chills just talking about this, Jesse. Yeah, pretty powerful. Like, like I'm just—it's so powerful. So this is Luke speaking. The first account I composed, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So, who is this Theophilus? That's a great question, Jeff. And and let's see people answer in the chat real quick. Yeah. If uh, if you have well, the answer. What's the former book as well that he had written? The former, the former book. Oh, yes. Okay. Now I know what you're talking yeah. about. Yes. He says in there, in the former book, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Yes. The first account. Uh, so actually, and while I'm waiting to see the answers in chat to see if anyone knows who Theophilus is, um, it's important to note about this. So when he says, um, and I'm glad you reminded me of this, in the first account in the former book, so the Gospel of Luke was the first book, mm -hmm. okay? And this is like the sequel, <laughs> it, you know, really. It is because it kind of left us as a as a cliffhanger. We had this great story of of God fulfilling the prophecies, coming into the world, coming being 
born, uh, lived a free life, you know, preaching for three years all around the world, changing the world, doing miracles, predicting his own death, going to the cross, you know, then coming back, resurrecting, and then he's he's gone. And like, where are we? You know, where, how, where does the story go from there? Well, right. that's where this book continues. That's right. And all of those gospels tend to end on that epitome of Christ raising from the dead. And then yeah. it picks up from there. And we have to remember that during that time, there was a 40-day period where, you know, Miracles that you can't even describe happened. You know, it started where, you know, literally at his death during that dark hour, the dead were raised. They spent 40 days and 40 nights in the city with with the Lord, with everybody going around preaching, testifying, witnessing to the truth of what had happened. And then this is now where we enter into this next period. Um, it's interesting, you know, we're seeing things, um, some suggestions, lovers, no, they were not lovers, uh, religious teacher or a slave who escaped and came to, um, I think they said Paul, um, but Jeff, what's the correct answer of who Theophilus was? Well, the correct answer is, I don't know for sure, <laughs> <laughs> but there, there are, Two very solid uh, points of view on Theophilus, and I think it's important to note both of them, and then you can make up your mind. Uh, at, in fact, they could both be right, uh, because God doesn't make mistakes, you know, in his writings. And so Theophilus is a Greek word, a uh, Greek name, and essentially Theophilus means lover of God. So if we read this, I composed lover of God about all Jesus began to do and teach. Now, what's interesting is uh, Theophilus, lover of God, it would be Theophili, would be plural. So I tend to lean towards the second theory on this. And uh, But I don't think it's any mistake that the man's name was Theophilus. The second theory of this is because Luke was a physician, the author of this book, physicians in those times, a couple thousand years ago, were basically owned. You were, you had a master over you, um, kind of like the pharmacia over our doctors today. But there was a, a master over them. Like, yeah, you have a boss you have to report to. You have someone who, you know, credentialed you as a doctor and things like that. And the most likely theory is Theophilus was Luke's master, uh, boss, essentially. And because Theophilus uh, was a born again man, he released. Luke to go and follow Jesus. He released him from his duties, but he probably said, report back to me of everything you do and say, because Theophilus was a lover of God. And so the two accounts, uh, Luke one is where it's mentioned before. That's what Jesse was alluding to with the other account. Uh, and now here, 
it looks like he wrote these letters directly to Theophilus as an accounting, but God used these to form the uh, the canon, essentially. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think, yeah, it's probably a combination of both of those. Yep. Uh, I would agree with that. Um, I also tend to lean towards the second one, that theory as well, so... Yeah, just because it's not uh, pluralized, uh, that's that's the only reason. But but I think still it is written to lover of God because, you know, let's face it, uh, you're not going to read and understand this unless you are a lover of God. Right. Uh, you, you can be the smartest person in the world. You don't have the Holy Spirit to interpret. You got nothing. You know, you just, this won't make sense. Absolutely. Well, let me, I can read on for the next one here. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. And then we'll kind of go in because this kind of fits in. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift of the Father has promised which you've heard me speak about for John baptized with water, but in a few days I will, or you will be baptized with the Holy spirit. Yeah. So let's just start in verse two on until the day he was taken up from heaven after he had given orders by the Holy spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So, he was taken up to heaven. Uh, the Ascension is clear and we get into more of that when we get into the Mount Olives. Um, but by the Holy spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And I just love the fact that he says whom he had chosen because not only did he choose these 12 men, but he also chose you man or woman, child, listening to this broadcast. It's not like you, you did make the free will choice to go to him, but he chose you first. Mm -hmm. He chose you before he even formed this planet. So, and it's by the Holy Spirit. Some of of that goes back to some of the early practices for the Jews that if you had a teacher or somebody who was considered a teacher, um, there would have to be that invitation. Like they could do things to seek that person out and, you know, to request to study under them. But it was very rare that a teacher would actually pursue a student or a group of students and ask them to study under him. Yeah, and and not only that, but rare for him to go to common men for the most part. Right, um, fishermen. You know, although, you know, although Luke and maybe Matthew weren't as common as uh, as you know Peter, for instance. Uh, but very common people. He went to everyday people, and he chose them. And he and they left their vocations. They left everything. Yeah. Well, they were considered the crass, you know, not like the people who were studying or, you know, 
really invested in the scribe or the Pharisee type teachings or things like that. You know, these were fishermen and it says like even James and John that they were known as the brothers of thunder. You know, why? Because they would fight, they would brawl. You know, I'm pretty sure that included getting drunk. You know, they were fishermen. And, uh, you know, so he chose people that were were not even to be noticed in society. You know, they were behind the scenes. Nobody would have even given a second look to them unless they, you know, happened upon a brawl or something, you know. But he chose them. That's right. And uh, he chooses the uh, the foolish of the world to really fool the world. That's right. And you know, uh, listen, I, as, as bad as I am in, uh, in life and, and as failed as I am in many things, uh, I do have victory in God and I am 100% convinced of my calling there. There's just, just no question. And I, and I hope that, uh, everyone listening has the same conviction. Yeah. So you know, I'm going to interrupt before you go to the next verse, because the Lord, the past couple of weeks, I've had a couple of visions that the Lord is showing me even through this, how he's bringing those to pass. And so I think he really wants us to focus on that, that, you know, so many of us feel unworthy. We feel unqualified. We feel unequipped for the things that God's calling us to do. But interestingly enough, one of those visions I had, and I've had parts of it before, but the Lord went further with the vision this last week. And I kept seeing, um, you know, there's Christian men that God is calling up to raise up the men who have been in the streets. And whether that's men who have been in prison, uh, men who have, you know, just been kind of considered those lesser than people in society. Um, but what I keep seeing is that as these men are going through the streets, that those who, you know, in scripture or in King David's day, the Lord called them ruffians, which I like that term. So I'm just going to use I do that. Too. But he, he's calling those ruffians to come up out of the streets and I see them coming in mass amounts and they're kneeling down, confessing their sins and repenting. And as they do, the, the few men of God who are responding to this call, they're anointing these men's foreheads and the Lord specifically this time, as I was seeing that vision take place, the Lord said, release to me, the ruffians release to me, my priests. And so, you know, that's part of what the Lord is doing. And then as we get a little further, Jeff, I'm going to show you, tell you my other vision that goes along with this that I just had yesterday that the Lord just powerfully just showed me how that connected um, with what we're talking about today. Did you want to wait or do you want to put it out? Well, it deals, I guess we could put it out. It deals with the Holy Spirit, though. So um, there's been a few times, like, especially when I was writing my book, His Kingdom Comes in Power, as I was studying the scriptures, I would see, you know, visions of the events that were happening. 
So the other night I was in prayer and all of a sudden I see like the tabernacle. Uh, so that, and it was, it's to a very specific passage out of the book of Exodus where the Lord gets angry because the people of Israel are mumbling and complaining. And because of that, his wrath goes out against them and hundreds of thousands of people died that day because of the Lord's wrath. But it was interesting because as I'm seeing that tabernacle, I'm seeing Moses standing right in front of it. And then I'm kind of like a little off to the side and in between them. And on the other side of me is Aaron. And all of a sudden it's like, I see that big cloud and scripture tells us that the Lord appeared as a cloud by day and a fire by night over that tabernacle. So I see that cloud and all of a sudden I can hear the sound of it too, like the sound of rushing water as like this pillar of cloud all of a sudden starts getting sucked into the tabernacle. And as that's happening, Moses looks at Aaron and it's just like this look of dread. And he just says, he says, run. And all of a sudden Aaron runs into that was the thing. He ran into the tabernacle as that glory, that presence of God is like all coming down into that. And he grabs that, that golden censer, which represents the prayers of all the people. And as I'm seeing this, like I can feel it too. Like I, I feel like that anger, but that spirit, that Holy Spirit. And what's significant about that is that in those days, it like, you know, there were those that the spirit of God would fall on and stay on like Moses and Aaron. But for the majority, it was like, you know, it tells us even with some of the prophets that the spirit of God would come and it would go like it wouldn't always be with them or dwell with them. So this kind of, is important to understand about what is being said here in this passage, because you have that where the Holy Spirit in their days up to that point had been very selective or, you know, it'd be moments where the spirit of God came and then he went. So what the Lord was showing me was that what I was seeing, you know, as his spirit was coming into that temple or sorry, that tabernacle, all of a sudden, like, the spirit of God starts rushing out towards those people. And as he does, like it says, people were falling dead right and left. And Aaron was running with the spirit of God as he's going through that crowd. And Aaron was holding that censer up, beseeching God saying, stop, you know, stop the anger, please stop. And it says in that passage that where Aaron stopped running at that point was where the Lord caused that dividing line and there was no more death. So the power of those who are with the Holy Spirit that, you know, as we cry out, as we intercede, as we you know, anoint and remind the Lord of the prayers of the saints. Like it is a matter of life or death for those that, um, that the Lord is angry with, 
you know, he's so angry about sin. Um, so, you know, this apostleship position was something that, you know, had, had never been because it was now no longer a prophet or a priest that was beseeching God on behalf of the people. This was a group of people that literally had dwelling within them, the Holy Spirit, and with them, you know, there's this working relationship with God, that as they ask, as they speak, there's a demonstration of that Holy Spirit's power, and there was never anything like that before scripture, you know, where literally God and man are dwelling together, and they're performing his will as he puts it on their heart. Well, everything changed in the uh, death and resurrection, of course, because that was essentially the the new creation, the new Adam, and yeah. so Jesus made that possible. And but I think, I think your story is so important in your vision because God is the God of repeating patterns. He's not the God of confusion. He mm-hmm. has patterns in His Word. Uh, he has duplicatable things. He has certain numbers for certain things, and he does this all for a reason, so we would not be confused. And so the Spirit can minister to us plain and simple truth through this word of God. Right. And uh, and so the repeating pattern is, I really think God's glory is, kinda, is coming down. Uh, I'm not going to say going to come down. I believe it's coming down mm-hmm. as we speak. And as I say keep track of the miracles of this book because at the end, I think you're going to have a really huge revelation on that for the note takers. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So to these, he also presented himself alive after his suffering. So after he went to the cross and by many convincing proofs, uh, appearing to them over a por- period of 40 days and speaking of things regarding the kingdom of God. Now I just, I just have a picture in my mind there. And I think everyone kind of pictures the upper room and, you know, things like that. But Jesus, God, rose to heaven after the crucifixion, comes back down, spends 40 days eating, drinking, touching, like like they're, they're seeing, they're touching, they're eating, they're doing everything, and he's giving personal one-on-one Bible study, you know, on the kingdom of God. Do you think these guys got some revelation? I mean, I just, you got to think of the humor of that. You know, it's like, you got to just wonder what that was like. I wonder if I was Thomas, you know, and I had, the proof had been that I got to touch the Lord's side and his hands and his feet where the nails had been. You know, I'm sure there's moments I would have like wandered off and been sitting there thinking like, huh, Lord, can I do it one more time? Can I just see one more time? You know, like, because it's just so unbelievable, all the things that were happening. And and then, you know, everything you thought of death, you know, it's like, there he is. He's not dead, yet he's eating, he's drinking. So you know, I'd be thinking like, how is that possible? Like, 
you, you just, and then he's saying, you know, but this is for you too. Like you're never going to die. And you're just looking at that reality, knowing that you're going to lose your physical body, but then being hit with that reality that I am still going to live. Like death is not something that is going to overcome me. That's right. And and quite honestly, I wonder what I would do if I was there. I, I think just like I make the joke, but I think I'd be holding on to his ankles. When you're going back up, I'm taking a ride. <laughs> you know, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and he's like, you know, Matthew and, and the rest of you, Peter, you know, I told you guys that you're going to go out and heal the sick, <laughs> you know, yeah. and you're just like, huh? <laughs> okay, Lord, you know, we believe, but I, I just wonder what that was like for them. If, if that helped them to understand that more, you know, rebuke the demons. He's like, you know, Hey, we're in a war. And I could see even how that conversation progresses. You know, he's talking about his kingdom and it's coming in power. And I'm pretty sure it had to do some things with the enemy, you know, and, and for them, you know, they felt like whoever that Messiah was, was going to establish his earthly throne and sit on that and you know so that is their next question like are you know is this kingdom is it going to be established now here on earth you know they're still kind of stuck in that mindset and don't even realize it's like hello the kingdom is so great that there's no plausible way it can be established here on earth yeah not at that time it will be eventually um, but yeah, it, it, you know, for 40 days spending with Jesus after the resurrection and all the things they saw before he went to the cross, before the passion, you got to think like, and Jesus in his own words, you know, he always said, your faith has healed you, uh, you know, uh, and you got to think that their faith and their belief, well, you know it because of the evidence, most of these guys didn't die a, a real nice death, you know? Uh, being hung upside down, crucified, decapitated, you know, things like that, that these guys went through. Um, but they went to their death because they were so confident. So their faith was built up so much by Jesus in this time that they literally were walking by and their shadow was healing people because they believed that much. That's my theory yeah. on it. We'll get into more of that. I want to be a shadow healer for the Lord, Jeff. That would be an amazing, amazing role to play. But you know, I won't tell you where my mind goes with that. I can think of lots of good things to do with, you know, with that shadow healing. But yeah, uh, but that's well, true. You know, it's like their faith was so powerful that, like, if the Lord told them to walk by someone, you know, they'd be walking by that person praying for the healing. And that healing would just be dispersed. You know, that spirit of God would flow off of them. That's a really good way to put it. You know, and people hadn't experienced that before, where literally the spirit of God is literally flowing off of somebody. And just the touch of that, um, you know, heals or raises the dead or cleanses, you know, how powerful. Yeah. And 
the, the, listen, it's the glory of God. And if the glory of God is within you, there cannot be any darkness around you. You know, uh, there's no demon that stands up to God. And the Holy Spirit is God. Make no mistake. So gathering them together, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem. And I think that's significant, uh, but I'll touch on that a little bit later. But wait for what the Father had promised. And I find that very interesting, Jesse, the Father. It's not what Jesus promises, what the Father had promised, which he said, you heard from me, right? So Jesus right. saying, you heard the Father's promise from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Why wouldn't he just say on Wednesday? <laughs> I, you know, I think it has to do with the waiting. With waiting, you don't always know the timing. You just have to trust that it's coming and you have that hopeful expectation, you know, activated with belief that the Lord's going to fulfill his word, that it will come. You just don't know when. And they they had no doubt that these words were true. And so they were waiting and they were not going to leave until this happened. There's no way. Like it, it didn't say, you know, listen, uh, Peter got bored, went fishing for a few days and came back, right? You know, mm -hmm. uh, I don't think so. Uh, they, they were waiting there. They were praying. They were singing. Uh, I'm sure they were worshiping. You know, so when they had come together, they began asking him saying, Lord, is it at that time that you are restoring your kingdom to Israel? Well, that's something you had just talked about, Jesse, because they're still in that kind of confusion. Hey, you know, when's this going to happen? But he said to them, and it's not for uh, you to know the periods of time anointed, uh, which the father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all in Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest part on earth. And I will venture to say, it is my opinion, that verse 8 is the pivotal verse that sets up the entire book of Acts. Definitely. I'll let you explain that, and then I've got a comment about the other, about what you were just talking about. Well, why don't you go there first, and then I'll uh, I'll explain the my part. Yeah, well, I just wanted to bring out that you know, up until this time when the Spirit of God came upon people, uh, we're told that they prophesied, and so it's interesting here that Jesus sets that new standard that. Instead of it being, you know, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, you shall prophesy. He literally says, you know, you shall be my witnesses. And so there's a difference, you know, between a prophet and someone who's called to witness and testify about the miracles and the wonders of God. You're absolutely right. And, you know, everything changes kind of in this moment here. Um, and it's also worth pointing out, you know, he was with them for 40 days. He fasted for 40 days. It rained for 40 days, significant numbers. And and I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that, that, that verse 8, what does 8 mean in numerology sort of thing, Jesse, again? 
it's it's new new beginnings new beginnings is completion it's infinity uh you know it's it's infinite because it's that infinite loop sort of thing um and i so i don't think well i know it's not a mistake that it's verse eight uh but you will receive power when the holy spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witnesses both in jerusalem and in all of Judea and Sumeria and as far as the remotest part on earth. So what does it mean to receive power? I think if you break it down, um, I'm going to go with what we've been studying, Jeff. Um, If you think about, you know, we've talked about the glory and how that glory is represented in every part of our being and that, you know, that that glory is literally almost like that two-strand DNA within every single part of our, our being. And so even in this, when you think about that, that two-strand uh wave represents the Holy Spirit that's flowing through our veins and that power, you know, really is in the blood, but it's not that it's our blood, you know, it's the very, that we partake at every ounce of our being, the very glory and power and blood of God. With his power, do you believe you can be a vessel to a conductor of that power to the world? Yeah. Answer in chat. Do you believe that, and by the way, this is his promise not only to them, it's his promise to us because the book is still current, okay? Uh, that This doesn't sound past tense to me when he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you shall be my witness both in Jerusalem, all in Judea and Samaria and as far as the remotest parts on earth. That's not a thing in the past, folks. You will receive power. Is that a maybe? If you're, if you're a good Christian, if you get everything right and you pray just the perfect amount of time each day, if you do the perfect uh, rituals, if you keep everything uh, perfectly in order, then God will give you power. Does it say that? Nope, it certainly does not say that. <laughs> this is meant to be an encouragement to you. If you can believe and when his power comes upon you, it's to serve the Father's will because that's all Jesus did. He didn't do anything, well, I feel like I'm going to do this today. No, he did what the Father's will was. We are no different. If you want to operate in his power, operate in his will. And by the way, none of us are perfect. But in, in any circumstance, 
you can say, Father, what's your will here? And I want to be that I want to I want to be the one used by you. And then believe. Is that how his kingdom comes in power, Jesse? That's exactly how it comes in power. Yeah, that's kind of what your book says, doesn't it? <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's also significant is, you know, they were in Jerusalem and Jerusalem's kind of ground zero for the church here, obviously. And then it goes out to Judea and Samaria and to the remotest parts of the earth. And, you know, I was listening to one preacher on this, um, I think it was Calvary church. Anyways, uh, he was saying, and I, and I just kind of resided with me. So I'll throw it out there. Um, where you were saved is your Jerusalem and, you know, so where, where you are right now and where you are saved is your Jerusalem. So you need to start right there. You need to start exactly where you are and then go out to the next place and the next place. And then, uh, pray that the Lord expends, expends. Tends your tent to go to the remotest parts of the earth. Jesse, we're kind of doing some remote parts of the earth, even <laughs> on this broadcast. We are. I praise the Lord every day. He certainly has extended, um, you know, that going out. So, Our number five market right now, because we get statistics, is Iran. Interesting. Iran has been for a couple months now. Um, so, you know, I kind of thought it might have been a VPN or something like that given out, or, but I it can't be for that many months. I don't think so. And they say it's the greatest Christian reform happening in the world right now is in Iran. Um, so I pray God that we're, we're part of that and uh, to our Iranian friends, welcome. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> and by the way, um, some of you don't listen to our Podbean shows, but we're doing a lot of Podbean exclusive shows now. You really got to download the app if you haven't. Uh, and on Friday, uh, quite an accomplishment because, you know, on video we've done, uh, you know, a couple million views, you know, before our last channel was taken down and, and stuff like that when you combine all the episodes. But the uh, with Podbean, considering we didn't start on Podbean, we started on a different platform. On Friday, we hit... 1 million downloads on Podbean and 193,000 of that was in the last 30 days. Glory to God. He hmm. has been expanding our tent. He has definitely. So ironically, you know, that's actually a country I've spent many years praying for. I would have visions um, not of the country itself, but just of one particular individual, uh, Ahmadinejad, and mm. I would just keep praying for him. And the one day, like clear as day, you know, it was so powerful. I literally was on on my knees in tears, crying. But I heard the Lord, like with so much love so much passion and longing. And he just simply said, Oh, Ahmadinejad. And 
I knew I was like, wow, Lord, you really desire that none should perish, That's you know? Right. So I don't know where all that will go, but I heard the Lord call his name and knew God loved him and wanted him to be saved. And, and, you know, I, I, listen, I've never been to Iran and I think you'd, I'd be nuts. You'd be nuts to want to go there as a tourist <laughs> destination right about now. Uh, however, I will say that, uh, the media and things like that have lied to us. The Iranian people are not the enemies of the West. In fact, they're a very modern, uh, civilization. I happen to have a, a number of friends that I've uh, met and, and gotten close to over the last uh, 10 years in particular from Iran. And they are beautiful, beautiful people. And uh, so I look, I'm so grateful that uh, that, that has happened. And uh, we pray for more, more in Iran. And I, I'll join you in a, a job jab as well. Uh, yeah. He, Cause he's a, uh, He's not in power right now, but he's a pivotal guy. No doubt it's about it. Very job. influential. Very yeah. influential. So let's carry on because we got to get through this today. Um, we could go on forever with this study, honestly. Um, it, it's so deep. And then chapter two is going to knock your socks off. So, and after he had said these things, he was lifted up while they were watching and a cloud took him up out of sight. And as they were gazing intently, into the sky while he was going. Uh, then behold, two men in white clothing stood beside them and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? And I'll get it on. The, I'll, I'll just stop there for a second. Cause this is just kind of <laughs> funny. <laughs> I could just see those. I believe there were angels, you know, but yeah, well, I think you're just like There's... standing there like, Hey, why are you looking up in the sky? <laughs> uh, yeah, they had to be angels. Just the word behold, it just like they appeared, right? Um, right. But the thing is, it's like, you know, going, going, gone, <laughs> and they're still staring. Right? Like, man, he's up there. Right? You know, where did he go? He's not there. Uh, guys, uh, hey. <laughs> I'm down here. <laughs> you know, hey, I put on my white suit. You know, maybe you want to look over here for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, we should do a, a show sometime on angel humor. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? No, honestly, uh, I. I I should I should get on to the writing team for the uh, the chosen or something like that because I think we could really make it funny. Is when you think about listen, people are funny, and these are ordinary men, right? You know what I mean? Right. Like, they, they, how are, how would you how would they actually react? It would be fun to uh, to do uh, even a play on this. Ooh, maybe I'll write a play. <laughs> we could write a play, Jeff. I like that. Yes. All right, so this Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you have watched him go. So again, saying, listen, he's going to come back in the clouds. He was taken up in the clouds. He's going to come back for us in the clouds. But here's what's interesting. That is not the second coming. 
as we learned in Revelation. You don't consider when he comes riding on the white horse in the clouds? No, because it's a flyby. <laughs> I, I don't think they distinctly meant to leave the horse out, but where, where are you taking this or where do you think? Well, the, 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 the horse is when he comes back and we come with him. But for the, the harpazo, for the rapture, when he comes back in the clouds, we are gathered with him in the air. It's, it's he's just doing a flyby, right? <laughs> and then, then when he comes back and he's on the horse, that's Armageddon, and that, and we're with him. You know, well, you're on a horse too. Interesting. I do somewhat agree with that, but I'm still that post-tribber, Jeff. Well, again, I agree with you. It's post-trib. We just get out before the wrath of God, but we are post-trib. I totally agree. Yes. Yeah, so so funny, though, to think about. It'll be interesting, you know, and this time it's not just the apostles or the disciples' eyes that are witnessing him come and go. Like it says that the whole earth shall see. Yeah. So imagine that, like, what that will look like if every eye will see. Well, you know what? I, I think back to Genesis where he, you know, he holds the stars in his hand. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we kind of get a, you know, considering the sun is our star and it's 93 million miles away, it looks pretty big to me. Right. Right. And he holds these in his hand. Our God is a pretty big God, folks, <laughs> you know. Very big. <laughs> Very big. Um, and, I, and I think holding the stars in his hand is an understatement. Definitely. I'll, I'll, I'll go that far. Well, yeah, so, so as we get on with this passage, you know, as they're all gathered in that room after they watch him leave, um, you know, it names all of them and they're, kind of Peter rises up among them as, as one of the leaders. And, yeah, you know, the gospels tell us that Peter and James and John were kind of considered the three in the Lord's inner circle, the most intimate who got to see or experience things that the other apostles didn't necessarily get to be present for. So, you know, Peter's talking and um, saying that they have to, you know, replace Judas. And I'm still like amazed that brings out, you know, his death. And when you think about that, there's some things about his death that don't make sense physically, you know, as, as we think about, you know, suicides or suicides by hanging, you know, there's some things that happen that aren't common in there. Um, but what really intrigues me is the word, you know, that everybody in Jerusalem hears of this place and that it's called Akeldama, which is that word um, dam in there is the same word that was used in the name for Adam, you know, where literally it means blood. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so just some interesting things in this passage start to come forward. 
Well, it, it is. And, you know, as we go through the, uh, so you're right. The Peter really does come up as the, uh, the leader here. Um, but then it changes partway through this, uh, this entire book of acts. And I think really it's uh James, Jesus half brother who kind of takes over the yeah. role. And, uh, and of course, Luke goes on to travel with Paul and, uh, yeah, it's just, it's kind of amazing. But um, also I want to say along with the women, uh, so there's women there, you know, and, you know, there's more than one Mary specifically, and, you know, it's probably Mary Magdalene, certainly Mary, the mother of Jesus uh, with his brothers. I, I, I imagine there's more women there as well. However, uh, one thing I've heard, and this is something you want to fact check me on because I have not confirm this but i think this is the last time that mary the mother of jesus is mentioned in the god in the bible oh as being part with the disciples yeah mm, no because it says like she was there for the crucifixion she was there with them uh jesus you know told the certain disciples to take care of her yeah, yeah. So, so what I meant is date-wise, when you think of when this is written, like date-wise, like the stories of her are still told, but date-wise, this is the last kind of real-time she was here. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. That. Yeah. I, I thank, thank you for making me clarify that as well. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of people, you know, the Orthodox Church, I encourage people to um, look into things, materials that they have, because they do have a lot of the writings that contain um, the testimonies of the women who were involved with the disciples as the church was being built up. And, you know, um, so especially Mary Magdalene, her and Jesus's mother were very pivotal yes. in some of these ministries and getting them set up, you know, uh, very involved in the ministry to the widows and things like that, but they they also focused on ministering to the disciples themselves, so that they could, you know, go out and be focused on that work of um, continuing to build the churches. So it's very interesting to study that and see how involved these women were, and yeah. you know, they really labored in the field with these apostles. And, and we're seeing that even more now, uh, honestly, I, I think what God is doing through women at this time is really pivotal in our history. Uh, and I, and I think women are really kind of leading the charge in many ways and, uh, and women are waking up the men, uh, and we need the men in this mm -hmm. fight. And uh, there's certain there's more women right now it appears, but um, women yeah. have always had a pivotal role, and you know never to be discounted. Hmm. So at this time, Peter stood up amongst the brothers. A group of about 120 people were together, and I just want to point out. So first of all, Peter stands up. He is taking the leadership role. It's brothers and sisters there. A group of about 120, and you know. Uh, 
Again, numbers are significant, folks. And like you could do some real deep dives on this stuff if you go into some of Chuck Missler's things. And but 120, just think about that. There's the number 12. It's also 40 three times. You know, the the like God isn't making mistakes. He's giving you more information if you want to search it out. And the more you press into God, the more you want to discover these mysteries of God that already have been revealed. Um the closer you'll get to him and the closer he'll draw to you because he lets you measure the depth of your relationship with God. Um, But what's interesting here is what he says, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit foretold by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who had become a guide to those who were arrested for Jesus. So if you go back and I, I actually wrote down the scripture, but it's in my other office and I don't have it in front of me, but it was foretold by David. I, I think it's, it's in the Psalms, like Psalm yeah. 106, 107, something like that. Um, who would be, who would be arrested for Jesus for he was counted among us and received his share of the ministry. So, for he was counted among us and received his share of the ministry. What's that talking about? Well, when he was, you know, with them, you know, he shared everything with them. You know, he was taught, he was walked close with the Messiah. Um, You know, he literally partook in everything. And I think that it also has to do with, um, gold that they may have gotten yes. payments they may have gotten. And I believe he was the person who took care of the money. He was the treasurer. Them. Yeah. That's so right. He, he received his portion among them. So. Yeah. And, 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 you know, knowing that he was the uh, a son of perdition, he was probably maybe even skimming off the top. You never know. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and, and I, I'm going to make a, a, an important point about this, but so he was receiving money and, and I don't think that Jesus and the apostles were really poor doing this. Like, you know, there had never been anyone like God before <laughs> walking the earth. Right. So I'm pretty sure that, you know, their way was paid. Just yeah. I mean, it was paid just, I think from the boat, like when the Lord told him to fish on the other side. And the right. money was in the fish's mouth. You know, it was like, I believe that they they fully had all that they needed to live and survive on. Well, and considering God, you know, supplied, you know, manna for the, for the Israel, like, you know, this is easy for God to do. <laughs> God owns everything. So, you know, uh, they were not uh, poor. He had his, uh, his share. Um, now this man acquired a field with the price of his wickedness and falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all of his mm-hmm. uh, intestines gushed out. Um, so, so this is the uncommon part. You know, we've seen lots of hangings throughout history where that is not an, a usual outcome. But what I think about that is that, you know, it says before that, that, um Satan had indwelled him and so I believe why that then happened was because Satan took an exit um but that's my personal belief on that 
Yeah, uh, and and listen, I don't think there's any concrete evidence uh, to support any theories on it. But just getting back to Judas for a second, because it, it's just occurred to me that there's a couple things stand out. So first of all, he was in the ministry. So he was a good guy who was able to learn the stuff from Jesus and repeat it. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been there. He wouldn't have fit in with the rest of them. He was trusted. Right. He was trusted with the money. He was he was an upstanding man that was in it. So he could not, and this is just me thinking, he could not have been devil-possessed. But he had his share of the ministry, he was the treasurer, and he eventually sold out Jesus for some silver. So when Jesus said, you cannot worship me and mammon, mm -hmm. Was it the spirit of mammon on him the whole time, which is you know an evil spirit, but it's not uh, it's not a possession. It's not like the antichrist coming into someone. Just throwing it out there. That's for you guys to consider. Yeah. Uh, and now concerning this, so we 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 know he hung himself. Um, what I figure must have happened here is, you know, the uh, the rope probably broke. Uh, he hung himself, the rope had broken, and probably went right onto the rocks and spilled out. We'll just keep it open. We don't know for sure. We but... don't. But but also, what is interesting here is, uh, is Peter gives that detail. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And... And it's it's almost like you know why would you why would you give that detail? It's, it's kind of horrible. But then it says, "For uh, Peter quotes the uh, the Psalms, for it is written in the book of Psalms, may his residence be made desolate, and may there be none living in it, and may another take his office." Yeah. I think it had to do, I think why Peter gave that detail was because that went along with some of the Old Testament um, judgments that the Lord had given out for certain family lines. Um, you know, so like some of them were told, you know, exactly how their death would be. And I think that it ties back to one of those older judgments that the Lord had proclaimed over Israel. And as we know, you know, even through David, this was prophesied. So it'd be interesting. I believe it is in that Psalm where it speaks about that one. And I think that judgment was spoken out that his, his guts would be spilled out. Um, so we'll have to go back and look at that. So I just saw JT posted something there and, and it just, it, this kind of makes sense and said, did the rope or the branch break? And then I just started thinking about it and yeah, you could think the rope broke, but you know what there, what if remember like the tree was probably cursed because he hung on it. Right. So the, the tree dies, the branch breaks. No life there. You know, what, what's what's this land called? 
Yeah. The field of blood. It would be interesting. Some people were bringing out Jezebel. That's uh, one of the stories I was thinking about was when her guts were spilled out too. And, you know, what was part of that curse? It was because she had taken life to attain a wine field uh, or a field of grapes. And so it'd be interesting looking at that field if it connects with King Ahab and Jezebel. And if that was part of it was that that was the cursed land and representing, you know, Babylon um, taking, you know, those who participated in the sins of Babylon, I guess would be a better way to put that. Well, and Babylon is kind of like the money system as well. So like, there's just so many tie-ins to that. So, yeah. Oh, there's so much we have to learn. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, so another must take his office. Therefore it is necessary that of all the men who have accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went out, went and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John till the day he was taken up from us. One of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they put forward two men. So first of all, so, you know, they're down to 11, right? Because there was originally 12. So why did they have to have another witness as part of the 12? Because the kingdom is built upon the 12, the 12 foundations, the 12 stones. And the 12 stones will judge the 12 tribes. Right. So they have to do, they realize to fulfill scripture. And, And so this is interesting as well. Peter, you know, a simple fisherman he realizes that all scripture needs to be fulfilled. And so, you know, God has clearly put this on his heart and they need to fulfill it. So they pray. And so they pray to God, they're seeking answers and they have two people to put forward. And what's interesting is, so they're using their discernment, they're listening to God, but they give God the final say. And it seems odd to us that they're casting lots for a position like this, but how else are you sure in front of a whole bunch of witnesses that God spoke? Yeah. And it's the, the casting of lots was a practice where it very similar to dice. Um, but they would have pieces of a, usually a stick or a rod that they had cut up that would have different markings on it. And they would, um, cast that and it would show up on one side or the other. And that would be how they would determine you know, which was the will of God. Yeah. Yeah. So there was precedence for it. So uh, the the other thing I just think it's really important to mention is, uh, is part of, uh, well, and in verse 24, and they prayed and said, you Lord know the hearts of all people. Show us which one of these two you have chosen. And What's important is it comes back to the heart, folks. So, you know, there was a lot, there's still a lot of uh, confusion about when we talked a little bit about tithing on Thursday's show with the 501c3s and stuff like that. Folks, it's about the heart. Uh, you know, the, the Bible consistently refers to that. Now, the mind will do whatever will justify whatever the heart desires. That's where you got to be careful. The mind will justify. Let me say it again. 
your mind will justify whatever your heart desires. But God searches your heart. That's right. Because that's where it all starts. And uh, Matthias was the one added to the 11 apostles. Wow. What a chapter, Jesse. We could have spent another hour on it. <laughs> Easily. Yeah, I think I want to just do one more clarity, too. Um, the difference between divination and casting lots is, you know, some forms of casting lots was considered divination in Scripture, but the difference is divination seeks answers to questions versus casting lots seeks the to know God's will. So, you know, you're seeking, okay, what is the Lord's will in this matter? And uh, that's the difference between the two. Oh, that's, that's really good. Very powerful, Jesse. So, Jesse, you have an announcement, and I'm going to let you do that in just one second. But first, hey, can you hit the like button for us? <laughs> that's all I'm asking. Just hit the like button. Like button. You know, maybe share, especially share if you think that this announcement is going to be important to some people. So, Jesse... We've been waiting for a week. It's been, uh, we've been saying it's a time sensitive thing. Why is it time sensitive and why have we had to wait till now? Well, Jeff, I'm happy to announce that my third book um, is now live on Amazon. And for the next 24 hours, uh, we're going to have a limited edition cover on it. So you'll only be able to get that limited edition cover with my signature on it in the next 24 hours. And then after that, it'll just be um, the book itself. Uh, but uh, my next book is five minutes of grief with God. And this is a, you know, took a little time writing this, the Lord, I've actually had started writing this book um, probably back in 2010 when I worked with the hospice and I had one of the social workers who went through a very rough grief with her father or with the loss of her father. And so, you know, during that time period, um, the Lord had kind of put it on my heart that she just needed to take five minutes a day to give to the Lord and walk through that grief. And so um, I would give her little assignments each day um, on how to you know, what she needed to do and kind of check in where she was at. So that's kind of where this started. And then as I, you know, walked through my own grief after the loss of Josiah, the Lord kind of brought it back and said, hey, remember, remember that five minutes of grief? And he said, I want you to walk through that with me. So this is my journey of walking through five minutes of grief at a time with the Lord. Um, and so I just kind of I know that it's going to be a blessing, a comfort to a lot of people who are walking through grief or um, who have lost people in the past. So, uh, Jesse, and you should actually, because I, I couldn't uh, change the description of the show because the show was posted last night. Jesse, if you could post the link in the uh, in the chat right now for people, because it is only 24 hours for this special edition cover and uh, and and. So a special edition cover, uh, just, oh, this is cryptic, but we just covered Judas 
fallen from the tree. Listen, Jesse risks her life. If anything happens to Jesse, I want one of these because they're going to skyrocket in value. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. <laughs> Forgive me, audience. Forgive me. I see. Forgive uh, me for saying this. <laughs> I am going to sign a special copy just for you that's going to say, Jeff, this is your moneymaker. <laughs> <laughs> Better than gold and silver. But I do have a question, Jesse, uh, about the book. Uh, because it's five minutes is dealing with grief and and uh, do you have to be sad to order this book? Absolutely not. It actually is very encouraging. So I've written it in such a way where there's a lot of scripture in it, um, you know, different scriptures that talk about uh, different grief situations. It also has prayers in there. Uh, so it's very useful if you are a pastor, a chaplain, or even just a lay minister who's working with others who are walking through grief. It will really help you to understand how to, um, whether it's navigating grief yourself or helping someone else navigate that grief, it will really come in handy for that. All right. So it's uh, it's currently 1130 Eastern Standard Time on the 22nd. So Jesse, would it be fair to say that they can only order this uh, special edition until 12 noon, let's call it 12, to keep it even numbers on the 23rd, which is Monday? That's right. That's when, after that, you can purchase the regular copy. Uh, that will be available on there. But if you would like that special edition, uh, the only time to get it is now. And, and I think just uh, on a logistical side, and it's something you and I talked about, neither of us know the answer to this directly, uh, but the link for the special edition might be up there past 12, and that's just so they can fulfill the orders, okay? Uh, because what's going to happen is if you order after that time, because she will be removing those files, uh, you're it's likely that you won't get it and it could be a real hassle for you. Okay. Uh, so don't, even if you see the link up there, Oh, Jesse forgot it's one o'clock on Monday. She forgot. Uh, no, don't order it then because the files will be pulled off of the site. We don't know exactly how many hours it goes, but, uh, if you order it before 12 noon on Monday, I think you will, uh, well, I know for sure you will get the book and uh, and have this uh, limited edition collector's uh, version of Jesse's new third book. And numbers are powerful. Third book. Huh. Just saying. Uh, well, yes, it's available in Canada. It's available everywhere, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah so I clicked yeah. link this morning and, uh, and it was working for me and I'm in Canada. Yeah. So, uh, all right. Yes. And, uh, and Rachel says, guys, her books are awesome. And I can testify that they are awesome because I have both of them, uh, so far. And I will be getting this one, except Jesse, I'm not going to pay for it. No, you're going to get that special copy that says, thank you. <laughs> your moneymaker, Jeff. <laughs> Maybe I'll give Giovanni too. <laughs> Sorry. Well, we're not supposed to get. I'm glad you mispronounced her name of being because she can't say her name on the air. She doesn't want her <laughs> name on the air. So I'm glad you actually mispronounced it there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so that's it. Thank you for being with us. Uh, 
And uh, don't forget, Tuesday, uh, learn how to have the best relationships in the world using F words. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun show. It's and it's gonna be a really important show. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun. You're gonna learn a lot of stuff. And uh, Jim is just a great guest, a great friend. And uh, so Tuesday will be light. It'll be fun, and uh, it'll be very enjoyable. I'm sure. Final words, Jesse. Just encourage people to uh, let us know how your week's going. Uh, start reading Acts 2 this week, and we look forward to discussing it next week. Uh, we will, and next week we're going to start talking about apostleship and things like that. So hang on, you won't want to miss it. Uh, try to be here live for it, because we really love seeing you uh, here with us. Uh, I know some of you on the West Coast, you're getting up early. Some are staying up really late uh, in Australia and Singapore, uh, places like that. But man, we are thankful for you. And we pray that God blesses each and every one of you. So remember, love your God, love your family, love your neighbor, and make a difference in your community.